Welcome to episode 90 of the Animal Addicts Podcast. On today's episode, Casey continues his discussion of pet nutrition, and I talk about an incident that occurred at SeaWorld San Diego. We learn about two new North American natives that I think are adorable, and about our unique animal of the week. So let's get to it. Episode 90 of the Animal Addicts Podcast starts right now. Welcome to episode 90 of the Animal Addicts Podcast. As always, we're your hosts, Allie. And Casey. And today we're going to talk about a whole new batch of super awesome animals. But before we get into it, Casey, what have you been up to since last I saw you? I went to SeaWorld with my family. And how was that? It was a lot of fun. Um, they did extend the military free tickets and oh, discounted so tickets. Oh, you guys gotta go. Okay. Yeah, so we ended up getting to go. We went on a Friday. Um... We had to delay it a bit after uh, we initially wanted to because my brother needed to get Fridays off because he's off usually Mondays and Tuesdays. Um, so we all got to go. Um, we did make one mistake and that was going on um, the rapids early on in the day because um, the reason that's bad um, in my case because the um, Keeper talks are early on in the day. Oh, uh, okay. So I got to see the one for the sea turtle outdoor sea turtle enclosure, uh-huh. and none of the other ones. Oh, uh, okay, yeah. So I missed the aviculturist talk with the penguins, the other sea turtles um, that's indoors, and the sea lions. Hmm. So I missed those. Um, and then, but I like the sea turtles. There's this one named Bowser. Mm-hmm. He is over 80 years old. Yeah, I just love turtles. They're the yep. best. Yes. Yes, turtles are the best. Hence why one of my friends calls me has me a humanoid turtle in her phone. Makes sense. Yep. <laughs> so yeah, I got to see the feeding and they talked about like all the different diets for the different species because they have three species. The Bowser was a hawksbill. They tend to be much more. We <laughs> were saying Bowser was a species. I'm like, that is Bowser not a is a hawksbill. Hawksbill, yeah. And they are much more carnivorous. That was part of the problem I went is that they were really bad with signage of what the different ones were. So unless you were there for someone to tell you, I'm like, which one is this? The outdoor or indoor? Indoor. Yeah. Wasn't that hard for me to find? It was, are you're taller than me? Because they're mostly up. At least mostly. I don't remember if that one was, but a lot of the places I went, the signs were up if they yeah. existed. I No, I think the turtle one was up. I know they have their electronic screens, but they have regular signage that's... I don't know. Anyway. Regular level. <laughs> regular level short person level yeah so there's that um and we got lucky because it's the summer months so the antarctica inside uh for the penguins it's dark but we came in when the agriculturist was doing their rounds with feeding and doing their health checks so we actually got to see them turn on the lights feed some of them and gave little head scratches to one of the gentoos and then he decided no come back i'm not done oh it was so cute penguins are adorbs (laughs) yes Penguins are one of the few birds I think most people all generally love. How would, how would you not like a penguin? I know some people that generally really hate birds. Yeah. Well, I know people who are afraid of them. Yeah, that makes no sense to me. I mean, I'm not a huge bird fan personally. I don't dislike them, but they're definitely not my favorite. I like birds. They're important. They are important. And they had a quick sidetrack. Um, sidetrack? That's not whatever. Um, and they made little shoes for the one at the zoo. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, I guess I should have shared that story. Oh, well. Penguin. At- <laughs> yeah, there's a penguin at the zoo, and it's, I don't know what's, I didn't read the whole article, but they, um, mm. something's wrong with his little feet, so they made him little shoes. I think I vaguely remember that. Anyway. Yeah. Um, and then we were able to go to all of them. The only thing we didn't do was the underwater section of the stingray, um, exhibit. Oh, yeah. Yeah, which it, I was upset about, but. <laughs> we had to rush along because my brother's a senile old man and that was later in the day. <laughs> and he's like, we're going home by six. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, that's just how my brother is. He's. I wanted to try to stay to see like the evening stuff, although mm-hmm. they weren't doing, because I was there midweek, so they weren't doing their like whatever that mm-hmm. show is. Because I was like, oh, the people performance aspect will probably be better. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but I was just done. The sun had drained me, and they weren't doing the main thing. I was like, I'm over it. I can't do it anymore. Yeah. Did you go on the rides? I wanted to go on the rides, but it just didn't happen. Yeah. I usually only go um, when it's me and my friends from college uh, when we go. We, that's the people I tend to go on the rides with. Okay. Except for the Whitewater Rapids. I usually always go on that one. Those always freak me out because, you know, Jim Disney and... Was that what was the other one? Main one is it Six Flags or is it Knots? Somebody else has another whack, rapid one that we used to do a lot. Oh my god, I haven't been to either of those in so long. Six Flags. Either Six that Flags was longer. My grad night. It's been twelve years since I went to Six mm. Flags. I know because it was a birthday of my. I went on my birthday. Mm-hmm. So my like, holy snap. Anyway, um, <laughs> and then I think I went to Six or Knots back in like before the teens in <laughs> 2010 or something i think maybe 2011 or 12 i don't remember anyway point being i digress um yeah so but anyway those rides always freak me out because i'm like what if it flips over because you're like strapped in yes because i'm like how is it gonna flip in. over because it's one of the ones that spins right the ones that are just like the loose well like it spins giant, itself it's basically like a giant tire right yeah. that you're in yeah yeah i'm always like no well, it has happened though it has happened at parks and I'm always like, you would die. Uh, like the legit parks or like a carnival? Cause no, a no, like legit theme park. I mean, not like Disney World, yeah. but like, you know, an actual like not removing this ride every time. So a death mm-hmm. trap ride. No, they flip. I mean, it's rare, but they flipped. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, you would like die. I'm like, if your head doesn't get back. Well, usually I think they're deep enough that your head wouldn't get bashed in. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, you'd have to try to get free. Good luck. And then like. It's not. The- it's Velcro. Get, get out of the. No, they usually are buckles. Oh, ones I have used are Velcro. They might be over your shoulders, but the belt is uh, like a buckle. So you'd have to do that while you're like trying not to drown and upside down and spinning about <laughs> and then try to get out and not get hit by something and like swim out and get to the top. And I'm like, I'm always just like, don't flip. Please don't flip. <laughs> I feel like you've watched too many Final Destination movies. I haven't. I've only watched the one with the truck or the logs. Really? I've seen <laughs> all of them. Which cracks me up because mm. they always show Peter on that picture and they're like it's like a picture there's a logging truck and he's I think in the right turn lane and then there's no one behind him and everyone's <laughs> it's so backed up in the next lane and it's like everyone in the left lane has seen Final Destination <laughs> like, I'm not doing it every time behind anything like that I'm like nope <laughs> see I accept death so it's like try me try me no, I've already had to dodge an extending ladder, like, racing across the, the lanes and, like, moving. So you're like, I don't even know where it's going to be. This is just a fun game of dodge the ladder and don't hit other cars. I've dodged enough bullets that was in enough life. For me. I'm not afraid. You have not dodged actual bullets. <laughs> no, but I've dodged death. I okay. had a motorcycle accident as a kid. Yeah. <laughs> we totaled a car on our way to Six Flags, and I've had multiple surgeries throughout my life. Oh, dear. <laughs> anyway. All right, so, but that was that was your fun time. Yes. Okay, great. Cool, cool. I went to the animal park um, for the first time in a little bit, not too long, but huh, it was hot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was 97 degrees, and it was Summer real hot. Southern California. Yeah, and I and I went out there. I'm like, I feel like our because other places have pretty seasons, and our seasons are just hot, on fire, and then nice pretty much the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. For me, a little cold at times. I'm like, this is too much. But mm-hmm. at least we're SoCal, Northern California. I'm like, no, this is way too cold. Can't do it. Anyway, um, but so it was real hot. So and I got there late, so I didn't get to do everything. So I didn't even go up to Condor Ridge. I just went over. I never go to the gorillas. So I'm like, I'll go to the gorillas, and they were obviously hot and not interested in anything. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, cool, moving on. And then I go down, and I'm like, okay, I'll, like, go get a drink and, like, sit and just watch the elephants, which was nice that it was hot because there was very few people there. And for a while, I was over at the elephants on my own, sitting in the shade, except for the bees. Oh, my God, the bees were so bad that day. Anyway, um, and I'm, like, trying to take a video of the elephants. So I'm, like, holding my phone, you know, like this, and they're flying lands and he's like going in between my fingers i'm like please please don't i'm afraid i'm gonna flinch and then you're gonna sting me in between my finger and that's gonna be awful so i was just like oh so i had to finally like stop filming i'm like please leave me <laughs> anyway mm-hmm. that's also fun to watch people freak out when bees are around i'm like unless you're allergic you shouldn't be freaking out this morning and- my sister kind of got chased by a tarantula hawk that's amazing <laughs> Ugh, anyway, um, but yeah, so then I go and I sit at the elephants, and I'm, like, looking at their water, and I'm just, like, I want to, if I wouldn't die by elephant, I want to, like, jump and go mm-hmm. in there, because it's just so hot, mm-hmm. and then, like, one of the younger ones comes over and starts, like, kind of licking, and I was, like, oh, please do it, please go in the water, and he starts drinking, and he kind of steps in a little bit, he's moving around, and, like, I don't know why, but, like, it's just 
the sounds of the water sloshing around just sounded so inviting. Mm-hmm. Like I wanted to be in a pool and just like relaxing and being like cool on a horrible hot day. Anyway, so they went in then and then I don't know which baby it was, baby, but you know, yeah. the young ones. Um, I don't know which one it was, but kind of walked it in and then just like plopped over on their side, <laughs> like in the shallow part though. And then, but it would look like they're drowning except this little trunk sticking out. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's so cute. And then the, yep, basically. And then the other one comes out like a little snorkel and then the other one comes out and then like, like is like nuzzling kind of and like you know messing with them and then like kind of lays down and they do fully submerge at one point i was like are you doing somersaults in the water like Mm. what are you doing and they would fully submerge and they were so cute and they were playing and then some of the adults came over and like would drink a little bit they didn't really go in Mm. and then the babies go all the way across so it's the water i should specify which one it's the one over by where the benches are you know Mm -hmm. where the volunteers usually sit yeah anyway so they go like they're on this side of the pool and they like go over here and they're like trying to climb a rock and get some like branches on the other side there's a very annoying girl though in my video who's like talking the whole time i'm like please shut up anyway they're just enjoying their day i know but she was just very annoying i was like can we just sit here and watch the elephants like if you're going to talk just talk quietly that's fine Mm. but don't scream and stuff that's very annoying anyway um and then they like go back the other way and they're just like having this and it's like when they're going across one's just swinging its trunk (laughs) like setting water everywhere Mm -hmm. and then the adults just like splash themselves Mm -hmm. and stuff but anyway it was so cute it's very rare that they actually go in the water that i see it was not the best play session i've seen in the water but it was still pretty good and it was adorable and then i went on um the tram with like you know 10 other people <laughs> and uh they have a baby giraffe that's only mm. two days old and he's so cute but he wouldn't look at us so but then it was funny because he's like laying there and his his little head's kind of like going back and the driver person's like yeah they're kind of like dogs when dogs like start to fall asleep mm-hmm. when they're sitting up and it's like anyway his little head kind of went back and then he like pops up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> i was like oh my gosh can you imagine trying to keep that whole neck upright <laughs> Mm-hmm. Like, it's hard enough for us. Like, if we doze off as people, right, we're like, uh. But you got this long-ass neck, you're like, oh, God. Anyway, it was so yeah. cute. Did you say both baby elephants or just one? Both the baby elephants. Okay. Well, the, I'm going to call them young. They're, like, what, four now? Yeah. Uh, Micaiah turns four in a couple of weeks. Yeah, so. Yeah. I can never really tell them apart yeah. unless he I'm just waiting for her. news updates on her. Why? She contracted elephant herpes. <gasps> oh, no. Yeah. Anyway, they and were at least with Asian elephants, that's very dangerous. They were having a great time. Well, they don't have them separated. So mm-hmm. anyway, they were having the best time and it was great. And then I was really annoyed, though, because over by the cheetahs, there was a family and I was like, please leave um, <laughs> because it's a hot day and she's laying there and they're like banging on the like, we you know, there's a bar like past the bushes, right? Mm-hmm. They're like banging on that with their water bottle and like calling to it. And I'm like, OK, like you get like a one like, right, like trying to get animal attention. Stop mm-hmm. continually doing it. Please stop. I just wanted to smack them to the head. Anyway, but that was my trip. Go team. Good times. Uh, so let's get into what we wanted to talk about today. So Casey, I believe you're going to continue on something from last time, correct? Yes, I'm going to do a continuation on pet nutrition. Go for it. Yes, so this one specifically in terms of research and prescription diets. So first things first, pet nutrition is complicated. So don't just listen to the canine nutritionist, air quotes, obviously. Mm-hmm. online that read the ingredients list. If you have major questions, always consult with a veterinarian who may refer to you to a board-certified veterinary nutritionist who is actually qualified to. I would say most veterinarians thing. don't spend a whole lot of time on nutrition. So. Yeah. So one common thing you may hear is people talking about how food is medicine and that the reason why pets' health issues is due to poor diet. Ignore this. Food is medicine crap. Um, for example, my diabetes diagnosis I played soccer since I was six years old. I ate well, exercised regularly. I still have diabetes. So, yeah. Well, I mean, there it's... are certain ailments that aren't going to matter, but there are certain ones that will matter. Yes, but I'd hate the food is medicine stuff because you get into all the holistic people that think everything is poison. <laughs> oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah. So, most, and most often the biggest factor is things like genetics and your dog being overweight. This, Looking at you, America. <laughs> this can also literally translate to prescription diets. One critique some people ha- will say is that there is no medication in the diet, to which I say, no shit, Sherlock. Cause if, it's not a medication. Because <laughs> if you uh, know anyone with a critical uh, 
terminal condition, you know medication is not shelf-stable like pet food is. So, of course, there's not going to be medication in pet food. Uh, one of the first things to go over is the fact that these foods are much more expensive, and that re the reason for that is that um, it's not often associated with the ingredients, but due to the cost of research and quality control that is not found in over-the-counter diets. A good example of this is the use of feeding trials comparing pets with, say, kidney disease with one group on the prescription diet that's being researched compared to those on an over-the-counter diet as well as the costs associated with the blood work necessary to monitor health during these trials. And then quality control is another cost for these diets, especially for those regarding allergies because of the meticulous testing done to make sure there is not uh, cross-contamination from other protein sources. And this cross-contamination is heavily prevalent in over-the-counter diets, including limited ingredient diets. Um, and this testing gets expensive and is going to be repeated when there are modifica modifications made to the diet's formula. So those costs will add up and that's what gets transferred over to the pet food's cost. And just a brief overview of some aspects of more common prescription diets. So one very common one is weight management. It is very important to do a proper body composition assessment of your pet. And this will usually be done when you go to the vet. And if your animal has a score of seven or higher, you will likely have to put them on a weight management diet. Um, and you need to be extremely careful if you, say, have a less severe case um, and do weight management with an over-the-counter formula um, because these diets are complete imbalanced. So when you decrease the calorie intake, you also decrease the nutrient intake. So you must never feed below 75% of the recommended feeding guidelines. If really? you do, your pet will be nutrient deficient. Hmm, might have to look at the... Because I find a lot of times, especially with wet food, mm -hmm. the guidelines on there for how much to feed, I'm like, my cat would be yeah. a million pounds if mm -hmm. I fed her this much food. Yeah. I always recommend um, weighing out the food because usually measurements will also have um, calories per mass as well. Oh. Well, I don't have a little scale for that. Yeah. So I guess I have to go get a kitchen scale now to weigh her wet food yep. and her kibbles. I use a, I use a, a scale for my snakes, rats, so I'm used to it. Oh, okay. <laughs> um... So these diets are, these prescription diets are formulated to maintain their current metabolism and preserve muscle mass uh, because that is a common thing is muscle will usually be lost before fat. Your body just really wants to hold on to fat because it's so chock full of energy. It wants that to use that as a last resort. Um, and you want to make, so these diets make sure the weight loss is fat and not the muscle. And it also makes sure uh, the weight loss is as gradual at a good pace or else you can have these dramatic decreases in metabolism, in which case you would have to decrease their caloric intake even more. Oh, my. That's crazy. Yep. Another common one is gastrointestinal. Often fiber is an important component for addressing the issue. The fiber content necessary um, requires testing for the total fiber content rather than the crude fiber content. Crude fiber content is just the insoluble fiber. There's both insoluble and soluble fiber, which would make uh, up the total fiber content. And testing for both of these uh, is much more expensive than just testing for the crude fiber content. Okay. It also helps out with the beneficial bacteria in your gut. Um, and uh, these have fiber contents that are just so much higher than those in um, over-the-counter diets. And then another common one that last one I'm going to really talk about is urinary care. Often there's over-counter diets labeled for urinary health. They have some similarities in ingredients, but some there are some key differences. Um, the over-the-counter diet is tested merely for prevention of crystal formation, whereas the prescription diet is formulated to treat the crystal formation as well as inflammation in the urinary tract, and it is more tailored uh, pH and mineral content as well as lower protein content uh, but is more digestible to prevent nitrogenous waste from building up in the blood, which happens when um, the body processes proteins for energy. Okay. And these also help to prevent uh, muscle wasting, which is common in kidney problems, which I can also attest to because when I was undiagnosed, I was my kidneys were working overtime and I was losing a lot of muscle mass. <laughs> Did you only have muscle mass to lose then and not fat? No, it's just your body will use muscle before fat. I did lose fat, but I lost a lot of muscle. You lost the muscle first. Yeah. 
Um, and if this doesn't drive home the point of the complexity of animal nutrition and you think you know better, um, this study should drive the point home. Uh, at UC Davis School of Veterinary Medicine did a study analyzing 200 recipes from 34 different sources um, that people were using for homemade diets to see if they meet essential nutrient profiles. Take a guess at how many met the AFCO minimum nutrient profiles. I'm sorry, there were 50 of them? There were 200. Oh, gee, okay, 200. Um, I'll say, say 40. The answer is nine. Wow. Eight of the nine were written by veterinarians. Uh, it was even worse when looking at comparing it to the National Research Council's minimum requirements for adult dogs, of which only five recipes provided essential nutrients, all, and all of those were written by veterinarians. Only four of these recipes were written by board-certified veterinary nutritionists and all had acceptable nutrient profiles. In all, 95% had diets lacking in at least one essential nutrient, and over 83% had multiple nutrient deficiencies. And even consulting with a veterinary nutritionist isn't a guarantee when you're making a homemade diet um, uh, because of human error and inherent fa failures. So they may run out of ingredient and stop using it once and see, oh, nothing's happening. I'll just use it how I am. And in another study, they found after just one year's time on the diet, only 13% of the people were still making the diet properly. Oh, okay. Yeah. But you're saying homemade stuff like you're basically cooking for your dog? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, which is unfortunately becoming much more common. I would never do that. <laughs> That's crazy to me. Mm -hmm. Anyway, okay, cool. Well, more pet nutrition stuff. Yes. Go team. Yeah, I uh, can't get somebody to stop overfeeding Tiger Lily. <laughs> and then she complains and she gives into her immediately. She's like, well, she needs more food. I'm like, she's fat. Like, she's put on weight because she was losing weight. Yeah, yeah. And now she's putting it back on. And I'm like, I'm going to have to, and I try to explain, I'm like, if she doesn't eat less, she's going to have to go on purely diet food, mm -hmm. and there's no more treats, and there's no more, spe like, different yeah. flavors, like, that's just, it's nasty. Mm -hmm. But I'm starting to think I might have to put her on at least a diet kibble and see, because there's no controlling that situation. Anyway, so, um, I have two things. <laughs> First of all, I just have to preface this by saying that I was looking for, you know, animal current event type things and it's just all terrible y'all it's just mm. everything is terrible mass dying um animals dying animals killing people five dogs is a bad number let me just tell you that right now okay this doesn't work out well um it was just it was so much so much just horrible news and i'm like i don't want to talk about that i don't want to talk about that i want to <laughs> it's all awful so i picked things that were the least of the awful anyway so one thing quickly um I just had to say this because I saw this, this headline and I'm like, I bet it's the same person from the article we read last time when I talked about Freya being euthanized, mm -hmm. the walrus. And um, it is the same person. But in this article, they're not as nice about it. So now I think that at the end it was like, what a shame, exclamation point. They, maybe they were yelling. <laughs> anyway, mm -hmm. so um, this is just super quick. Um, so the little like, not headline, but like a byline sort of is the this is norway in a nutshell <laughs> too often we kill the animals we don't mm -hmm. like or can't cope with said a biologist who's been tracking freya's journey around northern europe and that of course was the biologist who i still don't know how to say their name aae i think i believe is what it's spelled oh no where did they go i've lost where their name is but anyway um they get into it a lot more and they're basically a lot more pissed about it and i just found that to be slightly entertaining that in this article they're much more outspoken and angry about it yeah rune aae how would you think that is spelled? I'm I trying to find the name. A? This is Norway in a nutshell is where it is down there. Anyway. Um, also, this article a little bit um, in other ones I kind of saw. They're just saying, it, basically just, once again, comparing how Scandinavian countries tend to treat whales and stuff. <laughs> Not just whales, but those kind of animals. Anyway, I just found that entertaining. I will put it up there too, but the person is a lot more... Um, direct to the point in this article, I would say. So, and then my second little story here at least didn't involve death, so that's what we're going with. Um, so, Casey went to SeaWorld, and I gave my uh, review of SeaWorld. Did you go see the Japanese spider cloud, by the way, that yeah. is, like, in the sun, basically? I do not see it as it too is brightly. It's so bright right there, because it's just an overhang. That's all they get. I have been to Monterey Bay Aquarium. The light 
intensity is not much different. That is also crazy. keep in mind that they are found around 60 down to about 300 meters below sea level. The photic zone is down to 200 meters. So they do get exposure to sunlight. Yeah, I know they get some sunlight, but that's a lot of sunlight. That's more sunlight than it's 60 down. Way more sunlight than it's 60 I down. I would disagree because it was very dim when I saw it. When I went, it was not because I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, this is so... I was also in direct sunlight like all day and I was like, I'm done. Anyway, um, so recently... Um, there is footage of whales attacking each other at SeaWorld, at our SeaWorld, at San Diego SeaWorld. And I was trying to see, I'm like, is it the one that looks sad, who's like little, not little, it's a freaking huge whale, but like the, you know, the flukes and the fins all curved over? Anyway, so, and it's also just sad because it's filmed by a, some tourists. And they're little kids in the video, and this kid is, like, traumatized now because the kid's like, I thought they, I guess it says the kid said, I thought they hug each other, not try to kill each other. And it's just so sad. Anyway, that's an extreme statement. Um, But that's, well, I, yeah, the kid was a little overreacting. He's like, how is it still alive? And I'm like, okay, they didn't, like, get that vicious. But it's absolutely attacking it. But this is, again, why I'm like, they shouldn't have those whales. Because in the wild, there might be little, you know, disputes, right? But then you can get away. <laughs> You can just, you can leave. <laughs> like, you can slam the door and walk out of the house. Hmm. Like, even if you and I lived in, like, this house our entire lives, we're going to fight, and you can't escape me. <laughs> so, like, they shouldn't be in that space. It's just too small. Yeah, but that's a criticism you can have of any zoological facility that houses multiple animals. Sort of, but other ones Even are... at the safari park, they had a giraffe calf gored by a rhino. When they tried breeding tigers before, they've had one killed during the Well, that the happens, but that's mating, and that's different, and that happens at different times. This is them just hanging out, and something happened. They're yeah, and there can mating. be spurts like this out in the wild, too. Right, and that can happen, but I'm saying, usually with whales, they can get away. <laughs> also, it went after an older female, mm -hmm. and usually they're matriarchal, and that's not typical. <laughs> anyway, so this... Okay, so I didn't find the best article on it, and obviously PETA is... PETA is... It's very mixed. The, I think the intention <laughs> is good, but there's a lot of... I just know. call them crackpots because of all the things they've said. I mean, PETA, it's like the intent... Like I said, the intention is good, but they're a little they're a little crazy. They went a little too far up. Greenpeace is better. Let's put it that way. <laughs> anyway, um, so anyway, so they posted a video of the uh, video of the whales attacking, which they're horribly... They are definitely attacking each other. Well, one is attacking the other one. Also... Then that opened a whole floodgate of like other attacks earlier and horribly traumatizing where a whale attacked, I don't know if that was San Diego too, but a whale attacked another whale and it broke its jaw and it just bled to death. Yeah, that was Condu. Yeah. Uh, which she was, hit the concrete. Yeah, which was crazy. And I'm like, oh. Anyway, awful. Horrifying for everybody. Anyway, so the orca did sustain a wound it looks like how severe we don't know but it was definitely scared it was it was very it's it's not a fun video to watch let me put it that way anyway so you can kind of i'm not gonna really get too much in this article you can go check it out obviously we will post it um also just depresses me that this whale's been in captivity for 50 years and it's just sad anyway so um they also just talk about the fact that um they describe why do they describe it and i'm like it's so true that it's just a barren enclosure which it is which was one of my complaints i was like this just is a pool it's literally a pool there's nothing for them to mimic anything and depending on where they are where orcas are across the globe they're going to have kind of different environments right but i'm like there's it's just an open barren tank it's awful anyway so obviously they want PETA to you know get rid of the whales and everything which is what we wanted for forever and i agree i don't think they should have the whales anymore i and really I don't Dispute over whether or not to keep orcas irrelevant since they're phasing it out. Their argument over sea sanctuaries I fervently disagree with. I mean, there's something to be said for some of them that have been in captivity for so long that they'd probably have trouble adjusting. But either way, it's just... I'm very, very... It's just, once again, just everything about it is SeaWorld is just show, so human entertainment first above everything else, and that's what pisses me off. That's what all people that are animal rights activists say about all zoos, though. But it's but it's not. It's not. Because if you go to the animal park and you go to the zoo, it's not human entertainment first. I know people who get crazy about that. Yes, that's how they're feeling. But it's very much not. You can go to different aquariums and go to different zoos and go places, and you can tell. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, we have animals here because we want your money to come see a tiger or whatever, right? But, like, 
I'm watching the elephants play in the water. You're telling me that's not a happy elephant? Mm -hmm. That elephant is having a blasty blast. Mm -hmm. Also, like, their enclosure is pretty large. Mm -hmm. Like, those elephants can run, for, especially when the gate's open and they have access to both yards. Like, they can run from both ends. Like, they can get a pretty good speed. They can get a little distance going. Like, they have room. Some of the enclosures at the Yama Park aren't as great. Obviously, the mm -hmm. zoo is worse because it's, you know, in San Diego. But, like, it's not. It's just very different. <laughs> it's very different. Skipsy world. Anyway, point being. I'll disagree so with that. So there was a whale that attacked another whale. And you can see the video, which thankfully isn't as traumatizing as the other one. Uh, but it is very sad. And it's very upsetting. And I feel bad for the little kid. Because that kid is, like, nine. And now they're going to be scarred for life. Mm. So anyway, also, like, just, like, as a parent taking your kid to go, like, on a fun vacation. You're like, well, <laughs> that didn't work out well. <laughs> anyway, so... Um, you can read the article. They, you know, obviously PETA wants them to face charges and stuff, which will never happen because SeaWorld has money. So there you go. Anyway. And it's PETA filing a complaint in their cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. Yeah. Well, I mean, and just not reputable at all. I don't think they'd be for Cocoa Puffs. There's probably some sort of animal product in Cocoa Puffs. So I don't think PETA would be so, <laughs> would, <laughs> would accept that. Well, PETA would disagree with me recommending the foods considering they say all pets should be vegan. Yeah, which is not possible. And that drives me nuts. I'm like, you can be a vegan. Your animal cannot be a vegan. <laughs> anyway, I hated that too. When I see that at work and there's like a vegetarian diet, I'm like, you shouldn't have a pet. Or have a pet that is a vegetarian mm -hmm. or a vegan. There you go. Problem solved. Don't yeah. have a freaking carnivore. Anyway, moving along into <laughs> our animals, our uh, picks this week. And uh, I chose this one. Yes. <laughs> I never remember. All right. And I kind of stole from Casey. Then I chose the Central or North American rodents as the category. And I'm happy you chose yours because that was my second choice. All right. So tell us about your pick, Casey. I went with the American beaver. Woohoo! So their scientific name is Castor canadensis. The American beaver has a huge geographic range encompassing most of the continent, ranging from Alaska all the way down to parts of Mexico. There's also a established population that was introduced to Germany and Finland. The species lives in aquatic habitats with ponds, lakes, and rivers. The typical beaver will live to be around 10 to 12 years, with the oldest on record in captivity reaching 30. The beaver is the largest rodent in North America and second largest rodent in the world. It can measure 1 to 1.2 meters long and weighs 16 to 30 kilograms. Beavers are an herbivorous rodent species. And they feed on leaves, woody plants, and aquatic plant species. Some of their referred plants they feed on are poplar, aspen, willow, birch, and maple. Probably the most well-known fact about the beaver is their ability to build dams. Um, this makes them one of the best examples of ecosystem engineers as they are among the few animals that modify their habitat. They construct these dams by gathering tree branches and sticks which are woven with reeds and the dam is made watertight by caulking them with mud. The dam causes these rivers to become slow moving ponds and reduces stream erosion providing habitat for various other species of semi-aquatic animals. Along with the dam, beavers make dome-shaped structures called lodges, which can be over two meters tall and span 12 meters across. These lodges serve as the beavers' living quarters and are especially important during winter months. They will have an underwater entrance in the lower section, which leads up to the living quarters, which are in the upper portion of the lodge above the water line. And they are usually built away from the shore, so they can form small islands in the water. The actual living chamber is usually 1.2 meters wide and 0.6 meters tall, and have a small air hole in the roof for air ventilation, which is called a chimney. <laughs> and they are well insulated with 0.3 meter thick walls, and the floors will be covered in wood shavings to act as bedding. They're just so fancy. Mm -hmm. It makes me think of like a ski lodge. Yeah. Anyway. Mm -hmm. They're adorbs. Continue. The building material for the dams and lodges are also their preferred food items, so they will store food while also building these structures. One unique characteristic of the beaver is that it is among the few species of monogamous rodents. They are highly social with strong family bonds, and a group will consist of the breeding parents and their offspring for that year, as well as surviving kits from the previous year and sometimes a few sub-adults. 
As a social species, they have multiple ways to communicate with each other. One of the most important is their tail slaps. They will slap their tail on the water surface, and this is a warning sign to others in the group that there is danger. They will also communicate with those outside their family units by constructing scent mounds made up of mud, stick, and grass, which they will secrete scents from their anal glands on. As a semi-aquatic rodent, they also have various adaptations to the water. They have a transparent third eyelid, which acts as goggles as they swim underwater and can stay submerged up to 15 minutes at a time. They also have webbed hind feet to aid them with swimming, and their broad flat tail also helps propel them faster through the water. The tail is also important for fat storage in the winter. Their anal glands are also important for their aquatic lifestyle as they secrete an oil that keeps their fur waterproof. Mm. That's kind of gross, but okay. (laughs) They also secrete a substance called castorium, and it has been used as vanilla flavoring in food, and its vanilla scent and taste is a result of the beaver's diet consisting of leaves and bark. Yummy. Yeah. Mm. The American beaver is currently listed as least concerned by the IUCN Red List. The population is currently stable and aren't faced with many major threats. They are hunted and trapped for the fur trade, but this is regulated by the federal government and their populations that live in protected areas as well. Beavers are actually a great example of conservation success because they were nearly wiped out in the 20th century due to the fur trade. They have since been protected from overexploitation and have reestablished themselves across the continent. Yay, success story. It is, I feel like you just have to accept that um, everything is covered in poop everywhere, in life, mm. everywhere. Because so oh, many. Oh, I can tell you about what's So on your many, face. like, good things <laughs> come from gross things. And also, it's like, oh, you go to the beach. Like, right, we're in San Diego. And it's like, oh, let's go to the beach, which our beaches are not that clean. But other places, like, you're like, oh, it's such beautiful, refreshing water. That is ejaculations. That is poops. That is afterbirth. That is pee. That is our pee and poop and all the animals' pee and poop. <laughs> like, it's that just. That makes me want to talk about the dermodex that are on our faces. Gross. I, we're not going to get into that. Also, <laughs> also, just quick PSA. Um, y'all, there should not be a debate if men or women are putting the toilet seat down or not because you should put the whole lid down every yeah. time you flush your toilet because that is disgusting. That stuff is everywhere. Watch the Mythbusters episode. Just see what happens that toothbrush anyway um i digress though um so casey yes Allie. what is the similarity between a male deer and a beaver uh, they both have buck teeth oh my god you got it <laughs> did you hear that joke before no but i know a <laughs> buck teeth and rodent deer's a buck I'm so proud of you. I laughed a lot when I saw that one. I was like, I just looked at that one. I'm like, no, it makes me giggle. I like it. Anyway, um, moving along. All right, so I chose, okay, I, I chose the basic animal, and then I had to figure out the exact one. So ugh. anyway, so I just want to say, before I get into the one I specifically chose, well, give it, give it away. I chose a marmot in general. Marmot, sorry, in general. But mostly I was inspired by the Screaming Marmot video. You've seen this, right? Yes. Yes. Anyway, so I looked up what that one was. So just so you know, that is a hoary marmot, most likely. And they come from the Black Cone Mountains in Canada. Also did not know this. Whistler Mountain is named for them because they whistle. Yep. What? Mind blown. Anyway, they're so adorable. Obviously, we'll be linking a link to the original video and then the screaming video, which is very much a mood. Anyway, um... So, getting into the yellow-bellied marmot, though, is the one that I chose because that is the one that we have down here, more likely. So, it's, um, and they're honestly a little bit cuter, not going to lie. Anyway, its scientific name is Marmota. Oh, amazing. Marmota or Marmota? Marmota? Mm-hmm. It's like Marmota. Uh, Flaviventris. Marmota Flaviventris. I like that one. I like it. This species of marmot is found in the western United States and Canada. They can actually be found in a large variety of habitats, including woodlands, alpine, and forested areas, but tend to prefer living in more open regions, such as steeps, meadows, and the edge of forests. Uh, They have a 13 to 15 year lifespan. They are a medium-sized rodent around the size of a house cat, 47 to 68 centimeters long. Okay, 68 is like 27 inches. 
There you go. I'm prepared today. We got it. Uh, they are sexually dimorphic, and ma males are larger than females. Males are usually from 3 to 5 kilograms, and females are about 1.6 to 4 kilograms. They are a herbivorous rodent species. They feed mostly on a variety of grasses, flowers, and forbs. What are forbs? Non-woody plants. Oh, okay. Um, but in the summer months, they feed on a large amount of seeds. This species, the species epithet, excuse me, of the species scientific name, Flavaventris, comes from, that one absolutely smells, spells, what? Sounds like a spell. Um, Flavaventris comes from the word flavus, which means yellow, and ventus, which means belly, referring to the color of its stomach. Wow, that was really creative. Anyway. They're occasionally referred to as woodchucks, but this is not correct. The woodchuck, also known as the groundhog, is a species of marmot, but it would be improper to refer to all marmots as woodchucks, and technically, marmots are a species of large ground squirrel. That makes sense. Anyway, they are a very social species that typically live in colonies, which usually consists of a male, his harem of females, and their offspring. All the males and a little less than half of the females will eventually disperse from the colony to join a new one when they reach maturity. Unlike many other rodents, the yellow-bellied marmot is a diurnal species. They still do depend, nope, <laughs> they still do spend the majority of their time in their burrows, which they usually build beneath rocks. These rocks help to support the burrow and serve as a nearby spot where they can come out and sunbathe as well as serve as a vantage point to keep an eye out for predators. When they do spot a predator, they will sound an alarm whistle or chirp to alert the others in the colony that a threat is nearby, which causes them to dart back into their burrows. Scientists have found that marmots that do not have many genetic relatives around will not make alarm calls as much as those that um, do such as mothers with newly emerged pups. So it seems as a part of parental care, and it is much more common for marmots already in their burrows to make alarm calls. What? That's weird. Anyway. It's called um, group selection. So I only, care about, selection, I only so. care about saving the people that are my family, yeah. basically? Cool. Okay. Due to these vocalizations, the marmots are also commonly called whistle pigs, which is adorable. This species of marmot will hibernate during the cooler winter months, and they are among a few species of marmot that do not socially hibernate, but sometimes is observed in young individuals. What? Well, are you seem confused. What? I That made no sense. The adults yeah. do not socially hibernate. They do not congregate together in their hibernation. No, that part makes sense. But sometimes the young juveniles okay. will. Weird. Okay. Um, but not ones who just filled up a mommy, mommy, right? Just like adolescents? Mm, yeah. Okay. Anyway. There is evidence that hibernation may actually extend the species' lifespan. A team of scientists from UCLA tracked wild marmots and took DNA samples to make comparisons between their biological and chronological, chronological ages. Biological age is a reference of cellular damage that accumulates as a result of environmental factors, and this can be tracked by the pattern of chemical tags called DNA methylation. Yeah, that's okay, correct. Okay, good. I'm like, oh, Mike's in the way. On parts of the animal's genome. We know in humans the biological age and chronological age mirror each other closely. The scientists found that during hibernation, the DNA methylation slowed down significantly, and the rate would return to normal when they leave their burrows at the end of their hibernation. This would explain how these marmots can have a lifespan that extends beyond that of other rodent species of the same size that do not hibernate. Oh, okay. Scientists are hoping that this may eventually be applied to promote healthy aging in humans, and possibly NASA will be able to simulate a synthetic torpor in animals and eventually humans for long-term space missions. Ooh. <laughs> The yellow-bellied, excuse me, the yellow-bellied marmot is currently listed as least concerned by the IUCN Red List, and their population is stable. They're adorable. Once again, I will link the video of the most likely hoary marmot, but anyway. So, that brings us to our Animal of the Week, and our Animal of the Week this week is... The Oil Bird. The Oil Bird. I know nothing about it. Tell us about them. Okay, so these guys come from the order Steatorniniformes. 
Mm -hmm. They come from the family Steatornithidae, and their scientific name is Steatornis carapensis. That was like me reading a scientific name. (laughs) Anyway, continue. So the bird species is native to parts of Central America and Northern South America, and is found in countries like Panama, Costa Rica, as well as parts of Colombia, Venezuela, Guyana, and Ecuador, among others. Um, typically, they are found in tropical rainforests and are often found in caves. Ooh. They have a lifespan of about 20 to 25 years, and they are roughly the size of a crow, about 44.5 centimeters long. 44.5? Yes. So, almost 18 inches. There you go. Yep. So, these guys are frugivores, which means their diet consists of fruit, and they mainly feed on the fruit of oil palm. I feel like we've had a lot of frugivores birds. I almost yep. said frugivore fruits. Anyway, continue. Yes. So the oil bird somewhat resembles a nightjar. Like the nightjar, it also has a reddish brown colored feathers, but is covered with small white spots. They also have a powerful hooked beak, and that has rictal bristles. Rictal bristles are small feathers that somewhat resemble tiny whiskers, which are located around the gape of the mouth. Um, which is also known as the rictus, hence the name rictal bristles. Okay. It was once thought that these bristles help as act as a small net to aid in catching insects, but the oil bird is not insectivore, and many other non-insectivorous birds like kiwis also have these bristles. The consensus now is that they function to some extent like whiskers and have some sensory function, letting the bird know its speed and orientation. Another characteristic they share with the, the nightjar is the fact they are both nocturnal, and during the day, the oil bird will spend the day roosting in colonies and caves. It is very uncommon to see oil birds away from these colonies, and there is only a few roosting caves that are known, so it makes this species difficult to study, and there is still much to learn about them. Given that there is often little building materials in caves, when they are raising their chicks, they construct the nest out of their droppings and regurgitated fruit. Lovely. Mm-hmm. They are a monogamous species, and the parents make the nest into a funnel shape and are attached to the roof of the cave. The oil bird uh, will usually make their nests near a small stream and lay between two to four eggs at a time. Keep in mind that these birds live in colonies of thousands of birds, so they have well-developed hearing in order to hear their chicks' calls as each chick has its own unique frequency. The chicks can get really fat before going off on their own due to their diet of oil palm and can weigh about 50% of their parents' weight before they take off. Wow. These chicks are actually how the bird species got the name oil bird. Um because the chicks used to be harvested and rendered to make oil, hence the name oil bird. That's really sad. Yes. You sounded happy when you said yes. <laughs> I like making feel people sad? hear atrocities. Oh, God. <laughs> this bird's diet and nocturnal behavior make it unique in that it is the only known species of nocturnal fruit-eating bird in the world. They are also unique... Um, bird evolutionarily as they are the only member of an entire order of birds it 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 has the distinction of being the most evolutionary distinct bird uh species assessed by the zoological society of london's edgeless and represents around 72.7 million years of unique evolutionary history They seem to also have a well-developed sense of smell which is odd for birds and is likely to help it identify ripe fruit in the dark as a result of their nocturnal lifestyle, they have incredible night vision. The retina of their eye is actually full of tons of rods, which are the light receptors that aid with vision in dim lighting. And the oil bird has the highest density of rods in any vertebrate with about 1 million per square millimeter. As a reference, humans have about 150,000 per square millimeter. Okay, I'm sorry. How many of the oil birds have? A million. Yeah, that's a big difference. Okay. Mm-hmm. However, they have so many rods in their retina that they have very few cones. As a result, um, and these are the rese- the cones are the receptors responsible for color and visual acuity. So their vision is likely dull and probably very fuzzy. Um, oh. Even with these great adaptations, they need some lighting in order to see. So their visibility 
Survival ability is limited in dark caverns where they nest. In order to survive in these dark caverns, the oil bird has evolved a unique adaptation among birds and is one of the only species known to use echolocation. Oh. However, unlike bats, which use a high-frequency sound for their echolocation um, that is outside of the range of human hearing, the echolocation of oil birds is audible to the human ear. The way they produce their sonar is very different from bats, too. Bats have laryngeal-produced signals, meaning their sound is made by their larynx. Um, the oil bird, however, uses what's called syringeally-produced signals, which means they are made by the syrinx, which is a vocal organ located at the base of the windpipe in birds. Hmm. There is evidence that these birds' echolocation is not as fine-tuned for identifying tiny objects due to its lower frequency. But like bats, they have been found to adjust their location in response to different light conditions outside of the caves, such as if the moon is blocked by clouds will be different than if there is a visible full moon. Mm -hmm. The oil bird is currently listed as least concerned by the IUCN red list. The population is currently stable, and it's estimated there's around twenty to 50,000 birds. Um, and there does not seem to be any major risks to the species' survival at the moment due to its large geographic range and population. Okay. Well, that's interesting. Definitely had never heard of them before. Mm -hmm. And, of course, people would kill babies to yes. get oil. Anyway. All right. Well, that is going to bring us to our challenge. And it's Casey's choice today. So yes. I don't know what it's going to be. It's probably going to be bad. Let's be real. Yeah. So it is trivia and I've called it, Does It Belong? Okay. I'm going to give you 10 minutes, although that is not my timer. <laughs> okay. I'll play my Spotify. Oh, snap. So basically what I'm going to do is I will give you, uh, you will basically either have to determine what animal doesn't belong to the list that I'm giving you or which ones belong to a category or that I'm going to name. I'm afraid of the categories. Okay. <laughs> All right. So I'll give you. So basically one of these is not like the other. Mm -hmm. Okay. Great. Yeah. I'll say it doesn't belong, or I'll tell you instructions. Okay, okay, okay. There's 15 questions. I give you 10 minutes. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Okay. All right. Here we go. Are you ready? Yeah, sure. Okay. What doesn't belong? The kinkajou, white-nosed quaddy, ring-tail, or binturong? Um, I'm sorry. So the kinkajou, the white-nosed quaddy, mm -hmm. and the kinkajou. Uh, ring-tail nope. and binturong. I'm going to say the binturong. That is correct. Yay. Which, if any of these, are not car carnivorans? Snow leopard, giant river otter, Tasmanian devil, or red panda? Oh, I should know this because we've talked about all of these. Okay, who are my options again? Sorry. Snow leopard, giant river otter, Tasmanian devil, or red panda? Which of those is not a carnivoran? I really don't remember. I don't think it's the panda. Um... I'm going to say, oh, we just talked about the river otter. That makes me mad. <laughs> um, I'm going to flip a coin between the ones I think it is, and I'm going to say Tasmanian devil. That is correct. Yay. What doesn't belong? False killer whale, hippopotamus, water buffalo, white rhino. False killer whale, hippopotamus, white rhino, and who was the other one? Water buffalo. Water buffalo. False killer whale. Usually you do stuff about if they walk on their toes and shit, but obviously that does not apply to the false killer whale. Yeah. Um, I don't remember the false killer whale that much. Um, I'm just going to say for funsies, the Cape Buffalo, the water buffalo. Sorry. That is incorrect. Okay. Which of the following are squamates? Oh, God. Shelter Pusik, Gariel, King Cobra, Komodo Dragon, Leatherback Sea Turtle. Which of them? I have to name all the ones that are? Name the ones that are squamates, yes. Okay, well, not the turtle. Uh, okay, Shelter Pusik. We talked about them for so long ago. I'm still going to say it is. Uh, King Cobra, I think, would be. Who are the other ones? Komodo Dragon and Leatherback. Oh, I don't know about the Komodo Dragon. There's also the Gharial. I don't know if you said something about that or not. I did not. Okay. I honestly don't know, and I'm just going to say the Shelter Pusik and the King Cobra. I don't remember if the other ones are or not. You are missing one. Oh, okay. All right. So what doesn't belong? Three-banded armadillo, 
Three-Toed Sloth, Giant Pangolin, or Giant Anteater? Anteater, pangolin, three-toed sloth. Who was the first one? Three-banded armadillo. I don't know anything about them. <laughs> um, I'm gonna say. I don't remember. I should remember the giant anteater really well, and I don't. Yeah, I'm gonna minutes. say it's the giant anteater. That is incorrect. Dang. Which of the following are Nidarians? Crystal jelly, Portuguese man of war, blue glaucus, sea pen. And green aggregate anemone. Oh, man. I don't remember. I feel confident that the jelly is. Mm-hmm. And that the mana war is. Okay. I don't think the glaucus was. I don't... Was that? I don't think it was. And then who are the other ones? Sea pen and green aggregating anemone. No, I'm just going with those two. As incorrect. Okay, great. Okay, what doesn't belong? Cassowary, Sicilian, Koala, or Tuatara? What? Okay, uh, Cassowary, Koala. Sicilian, and Tuatara. Which does not belong? I'm going to say the... I don't know why I can never say their name. Sicilian? No, that's not right. Sicilian? Yeah. Yeah, that's correct. Okay. In pronunciation and the answer. Okay, great. <laughs> great. <laughs> Which, if any of these are not in the same order, Tarsier, I.I., oh, I. Red Uakari, Bornean, Orangutan. Not in the same order. Okay. And I.I., Tarsier, who's the other one? The Red Orangutan. Red Uakari and Bornean, oh, Orangutan. I don't know how they decide the orders on those. Uh... How have I forgotten where the red uakari came from? Was that South America? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I'm going to say... Oh, sorry, what was the actual... What's my... Which, if any of these, are not in the same order. Okay, they're not in the same order. I'm going to say that one. I'm going to say the red uakari. That is incorrect. Dang. So, what doesn't belong? Stoked, wolverine, European mink, fusa, or sea otter? Is it that they're mustelids? Is that what the thing is? Um, stoat. European otter? European mink. Oh, sorry. Wolverine, fusa, and sea otter. Oh, I don't remember the fusa that well. I'm going to say the fusa. That's correct. Yay. Which, if any of these, are mollusks? The blue glaucus, cone snail, vampire squid, Banana slug. Uh, I'm gonna say the cone snail. Are there multiple choices? That's not clear. There are multiple choices. Okay. Um, there will always be multiple choices okay. available. <laughs> I mean, there's more than one answer. Is my yeah. point? Okay. <laughs> like I'm not getting like an all of the above option. Okay. Um, or A and C. Um, the cone snail and oh, sorry, what were the other ones? There's blue glaucus, cone snail, vampire squid, banana slug. I really don't know. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say the banana slug too. Or whatever the slug is. Slug and? And the cone snail. That's two of them. Oh. That one you're going to get upset with me about, probably. Cool. I don't remember the Glaucus being that, and I don't remember yeah. the other one being it, so we're going with that. What doesn't belong? Jonah's Icefish, Large Tooth Sawfish, Greenland Shark, Spotted Eagle Ray. What is that classification going to be the same? What? Okay. Um... Greenland shark, you said? Mm -hmm. Jonah's eyes fish. Large tooth one? soft fish. A and large spotted tooth. eagle ray. Got about three minutes left. Uh, my brain is not holding on to things today. Okay. Mm -hmm. It was the <laughs> Jonah's, the large tooth, the Greenland shark, and then the, the spotted eagle ray. Yep. Which doesn't belong. I feel like those are all. I'm going to say the eagle, right? That is incorrect. Okay, great. Which, if any of these are not arthropods, diving bell spider, bullet ant, mantis shrimp, fairy fly, marbled crayfish, or alcon blue butterfly? I hate all of this. <laughs> Absolutely hate all of this. Um, how much time do I have left? Uh, two and a half minutes. How many more questions? Or including You're this counting one. a lot, so I'm just going to say marbled crayfish and move on because I don't know. That is incorrect. Okay, great. 
Okay, what doesn't belong? Hyena, African painted dog, sloth bear, maned wolf. That's throwing me for a loop, man. You got two weirdos in that group. <laughs> African painted dog, who is it there? Hyena, uh, sloth, maned and too. maned wolf. Um, you're really throwing me with two of those <laughs> options. I don't know who to choose. I'm going to say the hyena. That is correct. Okay. Which, if any of these, are chelicerates? The jumping spider, horseshoe crab, blood bee, centipede, ambly pigeon, emperor scorpion, tarantula. Hub. I don't even know what that is. So I have no idea. Can you just say the question again? I'm going to pick one. <laughs> Which, if any, are not are of these are chelicerates? Chelicerates. I don't know what that is. Okay, great. Go on. Horseshoe jumping spider, horseshoe crab, blood bee, centipede, ambly pigeon, emperor scorpion, tarantula hawk. Just no idea whatsoever. I'm going to say the ice, ice, ice pod. Was that an option? Huh? Was the ice pod an option? Am I losing my mind? No, the ice pod. God, who was, who was that? Who was what I'm thinking the ice pod was? Everything else sounds like a bug. I'm sorry. I know you hate bugs, but the term bugs, but <laughs> just read the first few. It was one of the first ones. Um, horseshoe crab, horseshoe jumping Oh, spider. horseshoe crab. I'm going to, sorry. I'm being, okay, whatever. Horseshoe crab. I'm going with that. I really okay. have no idea. So that's one of them, but. Oh, there's more. There's cool. multiple. <laughs> okay. Um, what doesn't belong? African savannah elephant, dugong, pygmy, hippo, rock, hyrax. Pygmy hippo, uh, African what elephant? African savannah elephant. Okay. Dugong, pygmy hippo, rock hyrax. I don't know if it's you or you. Ten seconds. Oh shit! Uh, the pygmy hippo. That is correct. Okay. Alrighty. Let's see here. Got one. got six out of 15 because <laughs> most of them are it really would have helped if that was written out and i could look at it because <laughs> trying to remember all of those was yeah. a lot okay so let's go over it what doesn't belong kinkajou white nose kawadi ringtail bintrong the answer's bintrong those are all procyonids raccoon family oh okay okay yeah which of these are not carnivorans snow leopard giant river otter tasmanian devil red panda the tazzy devil it's a marsupial what doesn't belong? False killer whale, hippopotamus, water buffalo, white rhino. Um, the answer is white rhino because that is the only one that's not an artiodactyl. Was artiodactyl again? Even toed ungulates. It was freaking. I don't remember the false what? I don't remember that being a thing. Whales are indeed even toed ungulates. I don't remember that <laughs> being a thing because I was like, it's probably something to do with the freaking toes <laughs> anyway. So thrown. Okay. Which of following our squamates? You said um, Sheltapusik and King Cobra. The answer is Sheltapusik, King Cobra, and Komodo Dragon. That's what I figured out. Yeah, yeah. That third one. Okay. What doesn't belong? Three banded armadillo, three toed sloth, giant pangolin, giant anteater. The answer is giant pangolin. All the other three are in a group called Xenarthrins, uh, which okay. pangolins used to be in, but now are on their own. Okay. Which of following are not Nidarians? Crystal Jelly, Portuguese Man of Orc, Blue Glaucus, Sea Pen, Sea Anemone. All of them are, except for the Blue Glaucus. Oh, okay. I couldn't remember the others. Yeah. And Sea Pen was pretty recent, too, but I didn't mm -hmm. remember. Yeah. <coughs> uh, what doesn't belong? Cassowary, Sicilian, Koala, Tuatar. Answer Sicilian, because all the other ones are amniotes. Dude, the reasons I'm getting some of these right are have nothing to do with why it's right. Why did you pick that one? A lot of them I pick on location. Oh, my God. I'm like, these are all in this area, and this these is These will this all region. be in basis of biology and phylogenetics. Yeah, I know, but I'm like, I'm going with this. I don't know. All right. Which, if any of these are not in the same order, Tarsier, I.I., Red Uakari, Bornean, Orangutan, they all are in the same order. They are all primates. Oh, okay. You still think I remember what orders are. I would hope you remember like, all those are primates. I mean, I know that, but I don't consider, like, I don't think associate primate with an order. You should. Okay. Also, okay. I didn't expect there to be a trick question. I figured that meant every one of these had to have an answer. 
what doesn't belong? Stoat, Wolverine, European Mink, Fusa, Sea Otter. Answer is Fusa because all the other ones are mustelids. Ha That one I knew. Yes. Uh, which, that if one. any of these, are mollusks? That was a trick question because they all were. <sighs> the worst. I couldn't remember if the squid was or not. Yep. Um, what doesn't belong? Uh, Jonah's Icefish, Large Tooth Sawfish, Greenland Shark, Spotted Egray. Answers Jonah's Icefish because all the other ones are cartilaginous fish. They don't have bones. No, I was not going to get that. Mm. Which, if any of these, are not arthropods? Um, all those were arthropods. The diving bell spider, bald ant, mantis shrimp, fairy fly, marbled crayfish, and alcon blue butterfly. I feel like I am not hearing the if any of these. <laughs> and I feel like they all have to have an answer. Yeah. Anyway, was there a question after that that I didn't get to? Um... The one that you kind of skipped, the other, you got the sl the hyena oh, uh, yeah. one correct um, because. Yeah, but you didn't say why. Yeah, so the hyena is more closely related to cats. Right. And the sloth bear and canids are in the group called caniforms, okay. which I've talked about before. Yeah, that sloth bear threw me. Because <laughs> I was like, the other two are similar. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so. So, which, if any, are not trilicerates, Porsche jumping spider, horseshoe crab, blood bee, Vietnamese centipede, ambly pigeon, emperor scorpion, or tarantula hawk. Answer was Porsche jumping spider, horseshoe crab, ambly pigeon, and emperor scorpion. The trilicerates are those with chelicera, which I talked about last time, um, which is their feeding mouth parts. Oh. This is too specific. <laughs> <laughs> I could have gone much more specific than that. Um, what doesn't belong? African savanna elephant, dugong, pygmy, hippo, rock hyrax. Answer is pygmy, hippo. Because um, the African savanna elephants, dugongs, and rock hyraxes are each other's closest relatives. I literally only remember that hyrax and elephants were. <laughs> and then I was like, I feel like, see, I've already forgotten the other one again. Who was the one who wasn't the pygmy hippo? Rock hyrax. Uh, no, no, dugong. No, dugong, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I was like, I feel like the dugong feels like it would mm -hmm. be more connected to them versus the hippo. Yeah. Anyway. I did talk about them when they were Animal of the Week. I'm sure. The dugong or who? Yeah. We've had so many. That one was first season. <laughs> it was a while mm -hmm. ago. I can't remember stuff from like two seasons ago. Two seasons. Jeez. Two episodes ago, I mean. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean. Anyway. I was going to say that is two seasons ago. I know. It was two seasons mm -hmm. ago. But I'm. But I meant not what I said. Anyway. All right. So those were all the answers, yes. the correct answers. He always makes things like systematics and phylogeny. I'm never going to get mm. that stuff. Well, I know my mustelids, obviously. Yeah. So go team on that one, at least. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of episode 90. Thank you so much for listening. As always, we're your hosts, Allie. And Casey. And we will catch you on the next episode of the Animal Addicts Podcast. <laughs> <laughs>